This is all Mountain Media. Pacific Northwest Sasquatch Shadows presents Something Cryptid This Way Comes. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. I'm really excited to introduce you to Hillary and Mallory from Blackbeak Paranormal. Somebody once asked me, why would you interview people that are ghost hunters? Well, Mallory and Hillary are not necessarily just ghost hunters. They're paranormal experiencers. They have a lot of experience going to different sites around the United States, mostly on the East Coast. And I just thought, wow, this is very intriguing. This is very interesting. I want to learn more about this. So please stick around and watch this entire video. You're going to learn a lot from them. We're going to go to certain sites and they're going to explain what they saw and what they did to experience what they experienced. Don't forget to subscribe, hit that like button, and please leave a comment. Go ahead and share these as well with your friends and family and anybody else that likes anything interesting. And don't forget to subscribe to Something Cryptid This Way Comes anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks, Mallory. Thanks, Hillary, for being here. Really glad to have you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And before we start, I, I just want to let everybody know you can check out Mallory and Hillary on their Instagram, their Facebook and their TikTok, which I just found. Um, oh, no. I, no, it's great. I Blackbeat Paranormal. I don't do a TikTok, but my kiddos have one. And so they're like, Dad, check this out. Check that out. So I saw that you had one. So I, I went and checked you guys out. You're hilarious, by the way. I have a few questions for you. But before we jump into those questions, I was wondering if you could just kind of tell listeners a little bit about yourself and again if you're watching this on youtube that's great we're going to show some pictures as we jump into this though if you're listening we'll describe what we're seeing so that you can also kind of partake as a listener who wants to go i'll go first um so my name is mallory i am um that's my dog <laughs> two rescue dogs um married mother of two i have a little girl and a little boy um i live just outside philadelphia and you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I read a lot, and I love ghosts. <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's we're just kind of like going on this adventure, and we document on social media. I love it. I love it. And Hillary, how about you? Uh, I'm a married mother, too. I only have one kid, but I have a lot more pets. So I have two dogs and two cats and then two uh, stray cats that I took oh. in, too. So. Yeah, my husband's not thrilled about it. So one more pet, and I think we're divorced. So I, I understand. No one else can show up at the doorstep because I can't. I can't say no. Um, and then yeah, I live more north of Mallory, like towards the Poconos. Like uh, I went to the University of Scranton. If you're a fan of The Office, so like that area of Pennsylvania. Um, and yeah, I I like ghost hunting with Mallory too. Uh, I kind of just like experiencing things I can't quite logically explain is the way I'd put it. And, uh, you know, I would say I wasn't so much into ghost hunting until Mallory asked me to come with her last year to Fort Mifflin. But before that, I was always interested in like esoteric kind of sure hobbies. I have, uh, like I said earlier, I've got some sets of questions, a set of questions here for you, but then we'll probably jump off topic and 
I like to do that. I think just keeping it cash and, you know, yeah. talking and stuff. So first of all, okay. So you both live on the East coast. I'm on the West coast. I've been to the East coast, I think twice. <laughs> so, um, I think I was in New York when I was three, but that's about all I remember. Uh, and then Florida, but I don't consider that East coast. I consider that its own, um, country uh so <laughs> so uh no offense to anybody in florida i just do so what caused you to be you know hillary you kind of talked a little bit about it but what caused both of you to be interested in paranormal and ghost hauntings how did this all kind of start and come together um i i just always been into the genre um my family, like my cousins, I spent a lot of time um, with my family in California, like every summer, and we would watch all those shows, and like it was just always really accepted in my family. Um, but I never had like a lot. A lot of people ask me like, "What? What was that one thing that happened to you?" It's because it's usually like something happened when you were a kid and you saw something. There wasn't really any like one thing that happened. I had a few strange, unexplainable experiences. Um, like growing up, but it was just kind of something I just enjoyed. Um, and then once we, once we went to Fort Mifflin the first time, we had a wild time and it's just, it's, oh my gosh, it's just been crazy since then. And this is only, that was only a year ago, you said? That was, that was July, 2020. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Right in the smack dab of the world kind of twisted upside down, right? That's why we went. <laughs> I love exactly. it. I love it. Isn't it funny how this crazy, uh, like century gap that we have between pandemics, how some really interesting things have come out of it. And um, I'm not saying there's anything good about it because there's not. However, I think a lot of people have reinvented themselves or found different things, different avenues and creativity. Um, again, not promoting that we should have something like this. It's horrible. And I feel horrible about what it's done to our world, but isn't it interesting how something like this can kind of change your perspective? I find it wild. Hillary, how, how did you, you kind of talked a little bit about it. Um, do you have like an early experience or? Yeah, so I grew up, my mom was a tarot card reader and we would read cards all the time and she would do parties. So I kind of grew up uh, going to crystal shops and, and other like, you know, kind of, occult shops so would that would sell things like that so to me it's it's never been an uncomfortable kind of uh interest I, I've always just been a, a bit immersed in it but I never really did much on my own until recently which was kind of nice because it, it was a way for me to reconnect to something that I had lost so that it was enjoyable I mean my mom passed when I was 17 so it kind of made me feel closer to my mom doing a lot of this because it, it made me be like, you know what, like I'm, I'm missing a part of myself. And it, it's funny how things in an unrelated way can bring you to something that you didn't realize that you needed. That's an amazing perspective. You know, speaking of perspective, I think people might be tuning in and listening and saying, wait a second, I didn't come here to hear about ghost hunting or the spiritual realm or any of that. And um, I, my own perspective, and I know Mallory, you and I texted a little bit about this, but my own perspective is, I think everything is intertwined. I absolutely do. And, you know, there is an unknown and and where I live is the most dense, quote unquote, sightings of, of Sasquatch or bipedal, Bigfoot, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter what you call it. Um, Stama is what the local natives uh, call it, which I think is amazing. I, I would love it if we called it that. Um, but there is a connection. 
there's something that people will say, oh my God, he's a crazy Bigfoot guy. I'm not a crazy Bigfoot guy. I love to think about the different possibilities. And there are people in the research field that believe that there is another dimension that they come through. I, I don't know what I think about that. But I think that's an important thing to think about, you know. So if you're listening and you're not used to this type of topic, I would encourage you to, to stick around because, like I said, I think they're intertwined. And I kind of wanted to get your perspective on that. Because I know, um, I know you, you, Mallory, you asked me, well, what does this have to do with what you do? And, you know, there is a crossover. And I think you brought that up. Can you talk about your whole view on the crossover of the unknown and, and different things we're trying to find out as well as one dimensional existing humans or well, three dimensional, I should say? Yeah, um, I mean, this is something Hillary and I have, we talk about sometimes, but um, just how, like, it's always weird to me how polarizing um, cryptids are you know because even like some of our most staunch like ghost hunter people i've been doing this for 30 years you mention a cryptid to them and they're like that's baloney and you're like how can how can you believe so strongly in this one branch of the paranormal and then not in the other and like i hear things um you know people say well we know that humans exist and we believe in a soul so does that translate into the spirit and then they just don't believe in this other kind of creature? I, you know, you can get money, you know, going down the rabbit hole, but like, honestly, I do kind of believe in the whole interdimensional thing with cryptids. Um, just because I just feel like it's, it's presumptuous of us to say that we have discovered everything and I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I feel like they're interconnected and I just don't think it should be so polarizing. And I think that if the research were to be combined or some of the tactics you use in ghost hunting could be used in the cryptid world, you know, maybe we would make some progress. Yeah. If they weren't invited. Yes, absolutely. Um, so let's jump into what you guys do. Now, Hillary, you mentioned that your mom was a tarot card reader. I'm fast. I am fascinated by that. I've had my palm read one time down in New Orleans, and uh, it was a very unique and interesting experience. I then had lunch with a, a voodoo priest, which was wow, mind blowing. Um, but uh, you know, and when you're down in the Big Easy, you see a lot of of different things there, and I love it. I love that that part of the world that I don't quite understand. Do you both consider yourself some a lack of a better term mediums or psychics when it comes to this kind of thing? Do you have any experience with that personally? I don't think we did prior to doing this a lot, and it's something that we wrote about in the feminine, feminine macabre. Um, just this idea that your sixth sense is is more like a muscle, and the more you exercise it the more it's the stronger it is, the more ability you have. So we, we all have some kind of psychic ability within us, but the more that you tap into it, the more fluent you are with it. So I think, you know, sometimes you have a, a natural kind of um, predisposition to it. And other times it's, it's not there. Like any athlete, you know, you, you have kids, you know, some of your kids are really good at this. And some of them are really good at that, but it doesn't mean that you can't be good at something just because you weren't kind of 
built that way to be good at it. Mm -hmm. So I think everybody has it in them to be able to kind of sense things that they couldn't before, uh, as long as the interest is there. But I would say for my mom and with tarot cards, you know, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. The more fluent you are, the more comfortable you're going to be. I think that's with everything. I mean, when we first started doing any kind of investigation, you would hear a noise and you're just you're quick to dismiss things before you do it. And now we just pay attention a little bit more or we'll ask one another where it's like, you know, I thought I just heard that, but did you hear that too? And they'll be like, I did. And it's kind of this affirmation that you're like, oh, okay, I really did hear something. That, um, that is exactly what I think happens in the cryptid world too. I think once somebody has some kind of experience and then somebody is there to validate it, it opens up new possibilities. So there's another crossover right there, which is incredible. Um, do you think that people are born with this? Do you think it's something they can develop? Do you think there are people that are never going to be able to connect, if you will, with anything from the spiritual realm or or the paranormal realm uh, because they're blocked off? How do you, how do you, is there a litmus test for people to take if they want to experience something or go into this? I think as long as the want is there, right? Like there's so many things that you can't do because you've decided that you don't want to do them or you don't have an interest. I would feel like this is a part of that. Like if, if you just say to yourself, I'm not interested in this, I don't believe in this, you, you probably never believe in it because you're not really willing to. Mm-hmm. So I think so long as you're curious about it, you know, you might not be able to have the same experience as somebody who was born a little gifted with it or who has been doing it for 20 years, but I think you could get something out of it. And it's kind of hard to denounce like a really clear EVP. I mean, even my husband, who's such like a skeptic on everything will be like, oh, that was weird. And it's like, yeah, wasn't it? This episode is sponsored by Pride Counseling. We live in a world of mystery, of unanswered questions, of constant bombardment from endless opinions and mostly from questions within ourselves. I've taken advantage of online therapy and have seen the benefits as a professional, a father, a spouse, and a friend. And without the help from online counseling, I would most likely still be stuck in the ruts of uncertainty and bleakness. We all struggle with our own true nature at one point or another, or we know someone who has. Therapy can be the difference between happiness and overwhelming darkness. Pride Counseling is affordable, private online counseling for the LGBTQIA community. You can get access to licensed, trained, fully accredited counselors and therapists that are LGBTQIA friendly. These counselors and therapists have at least three years of experience, at least 2,000 hours of hands-on experience, and are qualified and certified by their state's professional board. All you need to do is go to pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. Fill out a questionnaire, get matched with the counselor who is perfect for you, and you can start counseling today. It's more affordable than in-person counseling. And if you can't afford counseling, there is financial aid available that you can apply for. You get unlimited 24-7 messaging with your counselor, meaning you're connected with a counselor the entire time via your phone or computer. And you can schedule live video, phone or text sessions with your counselor as well. With Pride Counseling, you're not wasting time traveling, and if you don't vibe with the therapist you're matched with, you can switch. Best of all, 
you connect from the comfort of your home. Half the battle of getting into counseling is getting to the counselor, and Pride Counseling eliminates that hassle. Plus, a lot of people in the LGBTQIA community are not comfortable talking to a therapist in person, out of fear of discrimination, or perhaps they just don't have access to a therapist that specializes in what they're struggling with. With Pride Counseling, you can connect with an LGBTQIA counselor from anywhere. And as a special offer to Something Cryptid This Way Comes listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. That's P-N-W-P-O-D. Again, that link is pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. Thank you to Pride Counseling for sponsoring this podcast. Your EVP. I mean, even my husband, who's such like a skeptic on everything, will be like, oh, that was weird. And it's like, yeah, wasn't it? I think, too, um, you know, there's a school of thought that there's different ways to experience the paranormal. And what one what one person experiences, the same person, you know, if someone is, you know, clairvoyant, meaning they can see something, you know, with their eyes, if the person next to them is, you know, clairsentient, Maybe like where you like sense, you just know, you know, something's there. Like you get that vibe. If you've ever been into a creepy place and you get the goosebump feeling and then knowing feeling, you might not be experiencing the same thing. Maybe the clairsentient person feels something, but doesn't see what the clairvoyant sees. So it's tricky territory. And it also um, requires a lot of trust in who you're investigating with, just like in any of this stuff. If you can't trust the person next to you, they shouldn't even be there with you because... Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. That leads me into my next question, too. You talk about people being with you. So when you two go into some quote unquote investigation, you know, where you go visit a place um, and you bring someone with you or just the two of you are there, what is their process? How does it start? What do you do when you get there? Where is your mindset? All that type of thing. Possibly what equipment you bring with you. I'm very interested in spirit boxes, by the way. Um, but but that I, I've never I've never seen one. So uh, I have experience. I have to talk about EVP in a second because I, I was in Arizona and there's a lot of wild stuff down there. Um, but what what is that process like for you when you arrive at a location? I mean, for us, if it's a public investigation, I think that's difficult because it's uncontrolled. So you have no idea who's coming in and and what they might be like. Um, But when it comes to a private one and you know the people around you, you you pretty much already have like an established routine. Um, Our preference is together to do things because we really have the same idea since we're teammates um, on how we want to investigate and what's important to us because everybody has like different priorities. You know, some people are really reliant on one piece of equipment and some people are really reliant on another. And, you know, you both might not like that same piece of equipment and that's really going to change the way that you want to investigate. Um, so I, I would say it just, it varies on what team you're with and where you are. And, and sometimes it's really good. And sometimes you're like, and I feel like this is something we're pretty honest about. Um, you'll have some that are like, this was amazing. You know, everything is amazing. Everything is haunted. Everything was like, you know, a, a mind-changing experience. Whereas Mallory and I will be like, yeah, that sucked. Um, I don't really like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, generally, we will go in. If it's, if it's like our ideal situation, we'll go in and throw a video camera down. Just walk in, pick a spot, 
put a video camera and then just hit record on that and kind of forget about that. Cause then at, like, at least that way that is rolling and you can always review that later. It has audio, it has visual. Um, and then usually, I mean, Hillary has her digital recorder. Um, and I mean, that thing is gold. That is, I mean, cause that's, that's literally, that's just recording everything. And like Hillary says a lot, that's your favorite piece of equipment. If I can speak for you on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, I think it's the most reliable. <laughs> yeah, because you get, you know, a voice and there's only the two of you and you get a male voice and you have the buildings locked down. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, I love a spirit box and we do a lot of uh, what's called the essay session. Estes. I don't know um, if you know what that is. Can you or... explain that real quickly for us? Yeah. So um, the essay session, usually you use a spirit box. A spirit box is a device that scans radio free, regular radio frequency very, very, very quickly. You can choose how fast um, and you can go either forward or backward. When you go backward, the voices aren't reversed. You're just going from higher stations to lower stations, which I feel a lot of people get confused about. <laughs> um, and that runs very rapidly. So you're hearing snippets of radio. And um, and what you're when you're not doing an SC session, you're using a spirit box, you're listening for um, relevant answers to questions that you're asking. And generally you're looking for longer responses that cover more than one frequency. So if you hear like, but you hear something speaking over that, you know you're not just hearing the little bits put together. In an SD session, you take that a step further and the person listening has um, audio canceling headphones and usually um, an eye covering. That way you can't hear what questions are being asked by your partner, which removes a little of the bias. So if you get a meaningful response to a question, it's a little more, it's a little more on the nose and something interesting. Where, if somebody wanted to grab a spirit box, how do you get a spirit box? What are, are there better spirit boxes than others? Uh, are there better manufacturers? Where do you get them? Tell us about those a little bit. I think the gold standard um, in my brain is the SB7. I think anyone who doesn't have an SB7 wants an SB7. Let's get my dog out here. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, that's on Amazon. But you can go to Ghost Stop. There's different um, paranormal stores. Sometimes a really nice oddity shop will have okay. them. Some people um, will make modifications and make it into a spirit portal. And what that does, and there's some really good um, YouTube videos. Amanda Woomer from The Feminine Macabre, she just put up a, a quick video on how to do that. I think um, uh, Jade from Ghost Club did this too, how to, how to change your spirit box to remove some of that static sound so you're only hearing the voices oh wow okay so it just takes out that frequency can it's like a a noise canceller kind of thing yeah kind of i prefer the the static i want to hear the whole thing i don't yeah. want another level of interruption like i just want to go straight to you know what i mean like yeah, totally yeah. but i want the whole the whole enchilada and i will decide what i'm removing okay so hillary will set up a camera mallory you'll come in with possibly a spirit box I'm sure you have some other equipment as well. Do you do infrared? Is that a thing in this in this uh, investigation process? We have <laughs> toddler just walked in. <laughs> so uh, one of ours is an infrared, but it, it's heat sensing. So we have a flare, and uh, you know I can change it to monitor temperatures, but also uh, 
film and it has the video capability. So if I wanted to film a room just using uh, heat sensing, I can do that. And the idea behind that is that sometimes, you know, ghosts will will come on spirits and they'll have a different temperature. So you can have like an actual footprint of them being there. But all of it's really sensitive and it's easy to kind of manipulate. Like if you stand in front of a window, you know, you could potentially manipulate it to look like something else is there based off the reflection. So a lot of the equipment, when you get to a more advanced equipment, it can be more fickle. So sometimes it's nice to have something that's a little more basic. It's kind of like, you know, if you're into cars and you're like, oh, manuals are easier to fix than an automatic because, you know, it's, it's just, I feel like you deal with some of that where it's like, oh, if it's, if it's more basic, I can understand it better. And then when it gets more advanced and people can't understand it, then they can kind of be tricked into thinking that it's doing things that it's not. And unfortunately, I think, you know, a lot of people do do that. And I don't even, I'm not even saying they purposely try to, you know, fake evidence. I think sometimes a lot of people want to believe something so badly that they'll believe like their own, you know, uh, misinterpretation of like a photo or a, a video, but the, you know, the uh, opportunity for there to be a mistake just kind of goes up with the the more advanced equipment. Okay, got it. And do you think maybe that's filtering out specific things that um, need, like, like you were saying, Mallory, you want to hear the whole thing? Do you think it's just, it's almost more limiting, isn't it? Yeah, well, um, I mean, I think anyone who's ever watched a paranormal show, especially in like the early 2000s, saw the K2 meter, you know, the little and it has like the lights and it goes measure, you know, registers, um, you know, changes in the magnetic field. And I love ghost hunters, but like the, people don't really use those anymore, you know, because they can be affected by everything. So if you are, you know, if you are watching a group or watching evidence from some group that's not trustworthy, those things can be manipulated by walkie talkies, cell phones, batteries, air conditioning, not even just the unit, but literally the air moving past it. So, like, I have one, we use it, but, like, I'm not, I don't get super excited. You okay. Know, about it. Sure. Uh, I, I was down in Tombstone, Arizona, been there three times, my favorite, one of my favorite places in the world, and I went on the birdcage, uh, the paranormal experience birdcage tour. And because people are paying money to do it, and you're with strangers, and, you know, there's tour guides, I, oh, you'll go in and go, okay, here we go. Let's see the gimmicks. Let's see what they do. And uh, there is one point where we went up on stage and I'm sitting there and they turn all the lights off pitch black in the middle of the birdcage. And I don't know if you know the history of tombstone. Well, everybody knows the history of tombstone um, with the okay corral and, and Wyatt Earp. So I was on the, the stage and there was a, a baby coffin behind me that was used in the late 1800s. And I went, Oh God, this is dark. Um, and we had these EVP little things sitting around on the table and there was one point where they all at one time shot up and you know they went and i think you're talking this is kind of an older technology um and i didn't know if that was really something happening if it was being manipulated if people down there have figured out how to manipulate it or if it's real now they would all say of course it's real but do you think that's a reliable technology or should people kind of think about doing using what you're using i don't think you want to use many things at once. And it's it's kind of like when you're trying to find a disease. So you do several tests to confirm that the, the disease is there. 
but like one test alone isn't really going to give you the information that you need. So if you go into, you know, an area that's haunted, you want to gather like multiple pieces of evidence to confirm that that's happening. So the K2 meter isn't necessarily bad, but it's not what you should be relying on to confirm like a suspicion of a haunting. Okay. Okay. So Mallory, Hillary, and I were walking into a place that has a supposed haunting past. And we walk in there. I've not done a, a quote unquote investigation before, but I go in with you guys who are experienced. And uh, I'm sitting there and I start to get a little bit of a panic attack. And because this is new and different for me, I'm not saying this would happen. Actually, it probably would. Um, but, but we get in there and your first, the first thing you do when you get in a situation and you may have somebody who's not as experienced, what would you do? How would you talk to somebody as a first timer, if you will? Well, we brought our friends as first timers. And I think, I think you, that's something that you have to address before you're at the location. Um, we were recently at Penhurst with one of my friends who was very nervous. And I said, okay, I said, when we schedule the thing in the car on the way there, I'm like, what do you, what do you need from us tonight? And she's like, don't leave me alone. Okay. I'm like, got it. So like we get there and um, there was like a tour because it's so big and Penhurst is particularly dangerous because the buildings are crumbling. So they don't let you just go. There's like someone to make sure that you're not like going to kill yourself doing it. And he's, and he knew that she was her first time. He's like, Oh, come in here. You're going to have a scare. And I'm going with him. He's like, no, she should be by herself. And I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) right. She didn't want to be by herself. So I, I think like if someone's panicking, you know, really freak out. It's not going the way they want. You have to be okay with like removing them. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of like, you know, when my kids are panicking. So the other night in our basement flooded and my son was panicking. He thought in his brain, the whole house was going to fill up with water. And so what I did is I gave him a job. I'm like, I'm going to hand you stuff in the basement. And like, if you occupy them. So like we gave Lauren, <laughs> sorry, Lauren, I'm out of you. Like we gave her, she was the flashlight person. And it gave her like something to focus on. Do you know what I mean? Like I do, yeah. So I think like A, you need to know what you're getting into and what are your real fear levels, you know, and then what do you need to do afterwards that you feel comfortable going home? That's a big question that people get. I think all paranormal investigators get that. Aren't you afraid something's gonna follow you home? And so that's something that you need to address before you get there. Okay. Um, and then and then just make sure that your friend, your person that you're there with is, is the priority. That's just, that's just being a good person, right? Right. right. That's yeah, absolutely. Just being a good person. Well, you, you beat me to, to the task here because if you look right here, we're looking at a picture of Penhurst right here. Um, I believe that's Penhurst state school and, and hospital. Now this is a place where you two have gone into, uh, I have to ask, this is the right, right? We're looking at a picture right now. That is the right place. You can oh, see yeah. it. Okay. I just want to make sure I didn't find the wrong, wrong thing there. Cause I have another place I want to ask you about, which is really weird. Um, so, okay. So here's Penhurst. Uh, so you're walking up to, to this hot. Now, obviously this photo was taken. Uh, if you, if you squint at the picture, it looks like it was taken in the late um, 1800s. Uh I think, it is, I don't know, my eyesight's not that great, but I think that's what it says. <laughs> I don't have my reading glasses like with that. me. Uh, so does this, is this the, the play, does it look like this right now is what I'm asking. This to me looks fairly taken well care of and, and it's, the photo is at least over a century old. 
I mean, I recognize the top of that building, the, the rounded part. I'm trying to see what building this is. It doesn't say crab. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty rough. I mean, there's vines growing everywhere. They're doing so much demolition there. Dietary's gone. The hospital's about to get the boot. Um, it's it, not, there, there's, a, there's a lot of um, drama with Demo, de, like they're demo, uh, demoing a lot of tenors just because it's not safe and they just, it's such a sprawling campus. They have such problems with intruders. And then if the intruders get hurt, they can sue, you know, the owners. Um, so it sort of looks like, to answer your question, it sort of looks like that, but it's it's pretty decrepit now. Sure. It's not in use at all, is it? No. Yeah. Okay, it's not in use. So I'm assuming this is more what it looks like right now. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I oh, yeah. would find this so haunting to walk up. I mean, the pathway is cracked. Uh, beautiful Japanese blossom tree right there, uh, <laughs> which, you know. Um, but I would find this very spooky to walk up to personally. Did you find anything like that at all as you first walked up? Were you nervous? Were you ready for it? I think we were expectant of it, and Mallory had been there uh, previously for Paracon. I, I think anytime you're walking up to these buildings and they're old and they haven't been in use for a long time, you expect them to have like a certain amount of decay. Um, and then there's another part of you, and this might sound a little uh, morbid or macabre, but like you kind of want it to give you that like scare, that like anticipation where you walk up and you're like, Ooh, like I want to go in there in the dark and see like just how scared I can actually get. So if you're like, you know, walking into a, a modern house, it, it's not as disarming. And we, we talk about how sometimes being disarmed is like a recipe for actually experiencing the, the paranormal. There's something about vulnerability and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's uh, uh, something you give off an energy you get off that seems to attract an experience. So if I um, go in somewhere and I'm just kind of not disarmed, not a lot happens. Maybe I'm more capable of putting up some like metaphysical barriers where things can't reach me, but for whatever reason, when we like feel disarmed and something happens, it's like a recipe for experiencing something. So sometimes you you kind of want to experience something because it's more confirmation for you that it exists. Like the more you experience, the more you can't write it off, the more you can't be like, no, ghosts aren't real. Like if, if you experience it, more and more you're like oh no there's there's definitely something there so I think when it comes to a building like Penhurst or some of the older uh historic mansions that we've been in I want it to be a little spooky it makes me excited about it like yeah even though that sounds really weird no not at all that makes sense to me because then it almost validates what you are going to investigate before you investigate it you know um this I found some inside photos were you able to see any rooms that look like this at all? Uh, yeah. So I, I should say what we're looking at in case people are listening. It looks to me like we're looking at an old, decrepit, torn down dentist office from like the 60s. There's a chair there. There's tile is falling off. It, it looks like a medical experiment room combined again 
with a, with a dental office of some sort. And then you look past where that's happening. Maybe it's a nail salon because behind it, I see like one of those old perm drying that maybe it was a hair salon of some sort. I don't know what I'm looking at. Have you, either of you, did you, is this one of the rooms you were able to see at all or room like this? Um, so this is, this looks like one of the dental areas and it's, it's kind of funny and weird that you should, would pick out the dental stuff. Um, although maybe there's just a lot of that online because Penhurst has such a gruesome history of dental uh, treatment of their patients. They would literally <clears throat> remove a patient's teeth um, if they weren't behaving. It was, I mean, Penhurst was shut down in, oh, I can't remember the year, but it was shut down by judicial order in, I want to say, like, pretty late. Um, like 1980s. I think it's like yeah, 1983 like, officially that it got shut down. And they just let everyone leave. Um, and it was shut down because of how horrible, it was that classic story. It's one of the worst offenders of how they treated their patients. Mm -hmm. um, so there is some good documentaries that are out about Penhurst and, and what happened. And because it was shut down really not that long ago, the documentary has patients that were at Penhurst that they interview and they have employees that worked at Penhurst. So you're not getting you know, uh, things that were hearsay, you're getting people telling you their experiences. So it's a really powerful kind yeah. of thing to watch, especially before you go. Yeah, this this is a haunting picture to me. So another picture I found was this hallway that looks like there's graffiti on it. The paint's all chipped <laughs> off. Um, it's very tall. Uh, home sweet home. That's, that's Penhurst as we know it. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. So Tell me about this type of, it looks like a corridor of sorts. <laughs> I mean, that could be a corridor in what, Devon building, Mayflower. Um, I mean, they all it pretty much- like it has flooding too. I yeah. don't think Mayflower, Mayflower floods, so I'm gonna guess Devon. Devon. Um, okay. Yeah. And again, I mean, Penhurst consists of a number of buildings, is that correct? Yeah, many, it, almost like a campus with like multiple dormitories. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I would say Devon is the building um, where we have had the most uh, paranormal experiences ourselves. Um, we were, so on the upstairs, I want to say third floor, they have the isolation rooms for the patients who uh, were not behaving. And we closed ourselves into there and, you know, we had a temperature drops, our REM pod was going nuts. Um, and now that, that looks like that was in this building. And that's where a lot of um, medical treatments uh, were. Incredible. Do you know, random question, do you know if they did lobotomies in this hospital? Because I know lobotomies were practiced up until the early 70s. Uh, and um, I don't know if you guys know anything about those. I'm sure you do. But it's, you know, where they would, would take an ice pick or some, a tool and it would crack the frontal lobe through the eye socket. And it supposedly helped with um, epilepsy, although it caused that in some people, uh, I think it was Roosevelt's daughter went through this. Uh, so it, I'm wondering if this was a place, if you heard at Penhurst, did they practice anything like that? Do you know? No, I don't think they did. And I think that's a misconception. So Penhurst wasn't an asylum. It was right. a home for the disabled. So they weren't 
uh, for the most part, treating psychiatric issues. They were more treating like mentally disabled or physically disabled. They had people with cerebral palsy there, which they didn't know a lot about. Um, and it's unfortunate because it was quite cruel the way that they treated them. They would just leave them in a bed without any kind of attention at all, not knowing that they were fully aware of everything that was happening and, and the neglect. So I feel like if we had heard that they were giving lobotomies, or if, if we had heard that we'd know, right? Yeah, Did you that's... remember hearing anything about that, Mallory? I don't remember when you said Roosevelt's daughter, that rings a bell, but I can't remember why. But I don't all, I just remember a lot, you know, just the abuse and the dent, the dental thing was so horrifying. Um, yeah. that, that's what stuck out mostly. Absolutely. Uh, one more picture here before we jump into something else. I had to pull this up. Um, and, and we're going to talk about the, uh, the Shambly Hotel in a little bit. But there are children's toys on this old bed. There's a doll. There's a panda. There's a, a, a beanie baby. That's not that old. So it looks like maybe people are bringing things somewhat like they would bring to a graveside is what this looks like to me. There's some uh, fake flowers there. There's drafts, a child's blanket uh, on this bed. Did you have any experience with any children while you were there or young adults? Um, we had an experience in, in the Mayflower building is where they held a lot of the nonverbal patients. Um and Hillary, you picked up on the EVP of like a moan, which would make sense in the, in, you know, if we're trying to interact with a nonverbal patient, a pretty prominent moan EVP um, could potentially be a child, but not to my recollection, were, did I ever have a, you know, a sense of a child's spirit, but that's just me personally. Okay. Um this picture freaks me out, <laughs> I have to be honest. Um, and again, I'm not practiced or experienced in anything uh, like what, which is basically why I wanted to talk to you today, because it's really opening up a lot of different ideas that I have and things that I've experienced. Uh, this looks like, um, this is a photo. It's obviously uh, an older photo and it has a child in a, a type of crib. Uh, looks like she has cerebral palsy or something. You can tell from her legs that they are, there's low muscle tone in them and there's something helping them. Were you able to go into any rooms like this that still had furniture that was used? And, and if so, did you have any kind of activity in that area? Yeah. Either one, sorry, <laughs> jump in, sorry. No, that's okay. A, a lot of the rooms still have the existing furniture that was there when they closed it down. Um, as far as some of the like modern things, sometimes what investigators will do is they'll bring an item to try to evoke a reaction from a spirit and that's why sometimes you'll see modern toys in like an, an older haunted building um but yeah you'll walk through and, and you'll see hospital beds uh in mayflower when we were doing a public investigation there were leftover x-rays of patients that were just left out which is disturbing because you're looking at what I would deem like confidential medical information, but it's just there, everything. They just left everything, all, all the x-rays, all the records, all the beds. Like it's, it's disturbing when you go through it, that things were just, left. you know, yeah. It's like they all picked up and ran. It sounds mm -hmm. like, yeah. I wonder, do you know about when it shut down? I should have done a little more. <laughs> I did research this, but I didn't come up with, I couldn't find anything about why I mean I we knew why it shut down but that people would just take off all of a sudden because that's what it looked like it can imagine being the last person to lock the doors geez um but you know when they all took off all of a sudden 
when you were there, did you learn anything about that? Yeah, I would say patients were just released into the nearby Spring City to kind of make the life that they could for themselves. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so let's jump ahead. So Hillary, Mallory tells me you had a very interesting story at Gettysburg. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, you know, you can get funny about the the ways that you um, experience and things and, and what you think happened to you. But when we were at Gettysburg, we were at uh, Devil's Den. It's, it's one of the battle sites. And Gettysburg is a really like charged area. I think anytime you're talking about war, but especially a, a civil war, uh, emotions are high. And I think you know, we, we can talk about elements of a haunting in the same way that you can talk elements of a, a cryptid. Like there, there needs to be something going on in the environment to create like that to happen. Um, but I'll, I digress. We were going in Devil's Den. It was rainy. We're walking up and I looked in a particular area. It's like a rock formation with like a, a hole coming out. And I thought I saw someone like in in war gear, like weird, you know? And, and and I was so sure that I was seeing something that I took my camera out to take a picture of it. And then when I looked through the, the lens, there was nothing there. And, you know, Mallory took a picture after and I, I went white as a ghost, pardon the pun, but it was surreal. And then, you know, Mallory was like, you saw ghosts. And I was like, I don't think I saw ghosts. I think what happened to me is, I, and I'm, this is where we can go down the rabbit hole because I think a lot of hauntings are more like slips in time. I think, you know, time is existing at all times. So I think sometimes when you're experiencing a haunting, whether it be residual um, or, or what you think is like a sentient haunting, what you're actually experiencing is maybe like an echo in time or an image in time. And for me, what I thought I experienced was like a, a, a moment in time. You know, it, I wasn't, something wasn't actually there. I couldn't interact with a spirit. I don't believe a spirit was there. I think for, for some reason I had, it's, uh, it's called succumbent. I, I might say it wrong because I read a lot more than I listen to things. So sometimes when I like repeat a term, I say it incorrectly, but I think it's psychometry and it's where you are able to be in a spot or touch an image and you almost get like a, a flash of something. And I think that's what I experienced there. And, and it was it was really weird. I mean, I, I had a hard time even just accepting that I saw something. I kept trying to say, you know, it's twilight, it's raining, my eyes were playing tricks on me. But like, I have a good imagination, but I don't have that good of an imagination that I could come up with that. And then Later on, Mallory had sent me a picture because there's a lot of pictures of ghosts in Gettysburg that people thought that they captured. And of course, you know, every picture, there's a million things saying it's fake. But the picture she happened to send to me, it looked exactly like what I had seen. And mm. that was really weird. It was almost, you know, this this confirmation that I really did see something and that like blew my mind. I've pulled up two pictures here and on the left, uh, it looks like there is a little alcove uh, with a rock going on top of a big boulder. And then the next one, there's this old staircase going up next to that boulder. Is this the area you're talking about? It is, yeah. Okay. okay. That is uh, 
it looks very open. So a lot of people, I think, when they consider hauntings, if you will, or when they consider where um, something might be, I would say nine times out of 10, maybe more, it feels like people expect it to be in a shelter. This isn't in a shelter or a home or a building. This is out in the open. Do you find that those instances are more common than not? I think I think Gettysburg Battlefield is serious business. Yeah. I mean, there are other. That's not the only thing we experienced um, in a very short amount of time there. Um, so I, I think it's just it's just it's just that area. I think some areas. I don't think it matters if there's a premises, you know, a, a house, a building um, location. Um, and I too, I just want to add, like Hillary is the first person to dismiss everything. So when Hillary says that she sees or experiences something, I'm like, okay. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever felt like you're in a tunnel? The sides are closing in on you. You're unable to escape the overwhelming feelings of unhappiness, anger, worry, or fear. I have, many times. Over the years, I've tried to solve my own problems, lean on myself, and suppress the depression of my past and the anxiety of my future. Then I decided to do something about it. And while I'm still a work in progress, I know that without getting help, those invisible monsters would reach for any opportunity they can to consume me. They still do. But with online therapy, I'm conquering those monsters. And it feels good. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. Maybe you're not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And here's a special offer for Something Cryptid This Way Comes listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash PNW. That's betterhelp.com slash PNW. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Let's jump to the Shambly Hotel in New York. This place is awesome. One of my favorite movies and stories. And I don't know what I think about the Warren, the Warren couple you know who we're all talking about um but um this reminds me a little bit of amityville if you look at the structure of the building so it was probably built around the same time so mallory you were telling me that you went to shambly hotel and had some experience and i I looked up some stuff about this hotel um i guess the people that work there now they say that there's over 30 to 40 present um spirits there with some that come and go Uh, And that's kind of what they talk about. What was this like for you when you went to this hotel? Um, Excuse me. So the Shanley Hotel, we rented that out. Um, Hillary and I were more or less hosting that weekend. We brought our closest, what we call our pair family. Um, And it was such an interesting weekend because not a lot of people had that much crazy stuff. 
but I had three separate experiences there, paranormal experiences that like forever changed how I see this entire field. <clears throat> and it's just weird. It's wild to me that, that no one, no one else has such craziness. I mean, a lot of our friends, two of our friends, they say, if you ask them, if I called them right now and said, Hey, real quick, what's your favorite place to investigate? You know, Chandler Hotel. Um, but that particular evening, I saw my first and only full body apparition. I got the best spirit box hit in the SD session that I've ever gotten. And I was woken in the middle of the night by footsteps next to my bed. So you spent the night there? Yes, we all did. Yep. Wow. And you didn't leave and run away at 4.30 in the morning like they say so many of their guests do? Yeah. I know. I know. You're like, whatever, dude. I'm not leaving. Yeah. That's wild. So you saw a full body apparition. Yeah. And I mean, I've talked about this ad nausea. <laughs> I'm sure Hillary's like, here she goes again. But I... I run over the scenario of seeing this full body apparition at least I'd say once every three days in my head since then. And that wow. was when March. <laughs> and that was this year in March. It was this year in March. I think it was March. When, yeah. when you got April. there, were you excited to spend the night or were you a little bit, was there a little bit of trepidation? Were you kind of nervous? We were excited. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a wiener. Like I'm a mom of two. I'm like, Oh, I need to get to bed. I'm more, I'm more worried about like getting sleep, like going to bed, like going to bed in normal time, being woken up with footsteps. That's awesome. It was scary, but it was awesome. Really? And, and so were you in a room with anyone else? Were you by yourself? So I was with, um, our friend, Katie. Uh, we have a very good friend who is a medium, uh, Kelly, the Maven medium and her best friend. And the four of us are very close. We just, we just all went to Salem together. Um, and normally I share a room with Hillary when we are staying over at investigation, but she was staying up later to do another EVP session, but I was so wiped from the wild night that I had. And so was my friend Katie. So we slept in the same room and she had a, she was scared and she was awake and I had fallen asleep, but she was awake and heard the footsteps walk right to my bed and saw no one. <laughs> Unreal. I would, I would run screaming. I'm sorry. I just would. Uh, Honestly, guys... I, I was so tired at that point. I was annoyed because I was like, dude, you had all night to yeah. do this. And you I am sleeping. Right. I got to drive home tomorrow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. It's what a crazy, crazy history this place has. Now, they say that three children died under the age of nine or uh, one, un like nine months old. And then there is another photo that I found, and this is supposedly, if you look at this, we're looking into a window from the outside, and there's somebody has gone there, taken a photo, and there's supposedly, it's it's kind of like a shadow silhouette of a boy. I don't know if you can see that at all. Did you hear any stories that would confirm uh, your experiences to something like this, a, a child staring out of a window, anything like that? Nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel the Shanley Hotel is really interesting and you get really, really different energy depending on what room you're in. And I have no idea why. Okay. Um, so at the end of the night, after everything else that we had done, where I'm like, at this point, I am like falling asleep. But right. was still and uh, we're running um, an EVP session down the, down the hallway on the third floor. And there was definitely something playful. Did you have any 
uh, experience that night in your room? No. 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 I really didn't. I for me, Shanley, I I didn't experience much of of anything there. Okay. Uh, I, I and that's something we talk about is for whatever reason, some people are more um, just kind of sensitive to to different places. So I, you know, I was sensitive to Gettysburg, and I had you know more than one experience with Gettysburg. Mallory was more sensitive to the Shanley and, and we don't know if it's us or if it's the whatever's there or probably a, a combination of the both right like mm -hmm. your your ability and then their interest so this came from your you sent this to me Mallory tell me about yeah. this so that's where I saw the the full body apparition we were okay. on a break so Ex we had, had a tell us tell us what we're looking at real quick here so that is a view um so right, if you, okay, I just have to check something. I'm sorry. Yes, no problem. If you were to step back, um, I don't know, 30 feet, that, that, that would be what we call the safe room. You know, when you go to investigation, you're going to be there for a while and you're with a trusted group. You, you find a room where you kind of leave your equipment. That kind of room could be haunted too. But generally, that's where you go in between um, dedicated sessions in other parts of the property. Um, and we were on one of these breaks. And um, so if you're looking down the end of the hallway... To the left is a very small room with a mirror and a chair. It's called the mirror scrying room. If that's something you want to try, where you could sit on the thing and stare at the mirror and see if you see anything around you, see your face change. It's something some people try. On the right side is um, a big room of beds. You go around the corner and there's just a big room of beds, which is where Hillary spent the night there. When I was, we were on this break, I was having a cup of coffee with one of my friends, one of my fellow investigators. And I'm just kind of zoning, looking toward this hallway, and I watched a white figure, not see-through, it looked like a person, walk right across from the mirror scrying room across that little, whoop, right, that hallway, and disappeared. And I ran down there, and there's nowhere to run. They didn't go up the stairs. So this first, the first door on the right there leads up to the bordello upstairs. It was past that, so they couldn't have gone upstairs mm -hmm. um and no way out so so what you're saying is there's no way somebody who is with your party or somebody who is working at the hotel or another guest could have walked across and then all of a sudden vanished actually in the time that it took me to get down there and okay. this thing was very very tall i don't recall it having a head which it didn't occur to me at the time but it just, it ended at the shoulders and the shoulders were very, very high. So I thought it was our friend Flip because he's very tall, but he was behind me. Everyone else was in the room and I was either, they were either at the table, there's like a table and they were looking, talking to each other and it had legs under some kind of billowy, either gown or very loose white pants. And you ran toward it. And I ran toward it because I was like, what is that actually a curse, which I want to know. What is that? What is, and I have audio of me because I had a camera. I had set up a camera in that room with all the beds. And you can hear me running toward the camera yelling, what is that? Who is that? Who is that? And I run into the room and I, there's nothing on the camera. You can hear my reaction. You can hear my friend Kelly going, what did you see? And I'm saying there was a person. And I, this is mind blowing to me. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I think, and I'm going to ask this a little later, but you know what? I'm going to ask it now because I think it has to do with this. 
how are you two so brave? Or should, is that even, even that, is that even a thing? We're it's mothers. Bravery. You're mothers. Okay. Yeah, there you go. But how, how does that play into this? Because I, I often wonder people who are mediums or are psychics or they are investigators such as yourselves, how do they find themselves not completely overwhelmed or, or how do they continue down that path? Because I do know it scares some people. Um, how do you find yourself interested without having that fear? Or do you? I mean, I was scared at Fort Mifflin. Our very first one, I was scared. Okay. Um, but it's just, it's like fascinating to me. I don't know, yeah. Hillary, what do, you, what do you think, brave woman? Um, I don't know, maybe I, I have like little, I, sometimes being scared might be smarter, right? Because you're just trying, like you're thinking of everything and you're like, yeah, like there's risk. And, you know, I think some people don't care, you know, that there's just not that kind of fear going on or you understand it enough or you understand it in a way that makes you not scared of it. So I know for a lot of people that are into this, they have decided that there's nothing to be scared of. They, they've decided that, you know, nothing can follow them home or, you know, there, there are no such things as demons. So they're never at risk of any kind of, you know, malicious activity happening because they did this. So, or they have this idea that, you know, whatever you're interacting with doesn't have an ability to actually harm you. So I think, I'm not saying I, I believe that part of it, but I do think that there, when you talk about like risk, I don't really want to go skydiving. I find that to be more dangerous than like walking into a haunted house where I'm like, uh, and if something bad really does happen, I'll, I'll figure out a way to take care of it. I guess mm. I'm, I'm a little um, optimistic about my ability to handle the bad things. So I, I think that's why we're not particularly like, scared to go into a room is I'm like, well, the worst that can happen is a bat flies out at your head, which did happen to us at Penhurst. So it's like, <laughs> sometimes that's a little scarier than like hearing right. a voice. Right. That we scream. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's the room. That's the room. Okay, so we're looking at four beds facing each other um, and uh, emergency exit. That's where I would have gone out. Uh, <laughs> so were you uh, were you near the door by the exit? Were you near the door by the entrance to the room? So so, so I, when I went to check that room, it was like from this angle. Okay. Um, and then Hillary, you slept, I forget, I don't know which bed you slept in. Oh, but Hillary, this is the room you were in? Yeah, I slept in that room by the quote unquote portal that they said was in the room. Mm -hmm. no, nothing happened. It was fine. Okay. Smelled yeah, they a little funny there. Feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it smelled like feet. Smelled That's like really feet. It. Oh, okay. Smells like feet. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Okay. And here's another picture. I wanted to ask about this. This looks like. Uh, why why did you take a shot from this angle? We're looking into the eating area from the stairs. So that's so where where our friends are standing there. That's our friend Brandon from Lehigh Valley Paranormal Hunters and Courtney from the Ghoul Guide. That's where I was standing, looking to where I'm standing, taking the picture where I saw the apparition. Oh, so you're standing where the apparition was. Yes, I ran Fantastic. in there. Fantastic. So. Fantastic. And that's the door you're saying 
There's no way it could have gone up no, the door past, and up those stairs. No, it was past that. Past that. Was, oh, yeah. this and is, the door was closed. This is that, fascinating. And I, I opened it for that. Fascinating. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. I hope it was okay that I pulled some photos up there. Hillary, you mentioned the 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 kind of the circle of time, and I like to explain to people my my view of that is that we are humans and we live on a linear plane from a beginning to an end, and that's our time. Who's to say there's not some other kind of plane? And you know, and then we can get into astrophysics and all of that. Oh my God, this is something I talk about a lot. Yeah, I. I say that and we have a very like limited ability, but who's to say that there aren't other things in existence that don't have that limited kind of, you know, scope. They're not in the box. They can travel outside of the box. They can come in like you're here, but they can go everywhere and anywhere. And then I said, all these things that you learn through history kind of come back in a way. And I was like, who's to say that angels and demons just aren't another type of being that has the ability to pick any time, pick any plane, pick any universe or dimension and manipulate it and then pop back out because it doesn't really like mean anything to them. Like, yeah. You've given them a name, but just because you've given something a name doesn't, you know, confine it to, to what you've decided it is. It could be anything. And Ghosts could be that too. Like Mallory, the one night, you know, we're talking and I'm like, I want to talk about aliens and how aliens could just be here and we can't see them, but they're doing stuff that we experienced. And that's why we can't explain what happened. Like you're, you're, you're jumping. This is right now crossing <laughs> over to the unknown of everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and I love that perspective because I am 100% agree in agreement with you hillary uh i think and this is again my personal opinion i i believe that there's we live on the, we live on a vibration this is our vibration of existence and i believe that there are things that are in different vibrations um you know and there's a very famous story of of fred beck who experienced uh sasquatch uh, a group of them attacking him in 1924 up on mount st helens it's actually i do the remaking of that story in one of my my stories on on the podcast but he came out and said later that these are beings that live on a different dimension. And sometimes the vibrations will cross and that's where we see or experience each other. This sounds very similar to what you two have told me today, that it's kind of the crossover, the vibrations, the, the coexisting without existing, like the others, <laughs> you know, with Nicole Kidman. Um, that's kind of a, a cheesy example, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Living in yeah. simultaneous, and do, is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, I'm not saying it's for everything, but right. I I truly believe that, you know, what you see is what you see, what you're capable of seeing. But there's a million things that you can't see that are there. And some we've proven, like with bacteria, you know, you can't see it, but it's there. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. And I do think, and it's something that a lot of um, kind of new age investigators write books on. It's like elements of a haunting you'll have a, a particular environmental factor that seems to be prevalent in a lot of hauntings. So then it makes you think, well, is there something about this stone, this mm. environment, running water that makes this area like a hotspot for activity? You know, does that mean that things can pierce it and come through that normally couldn't? I, it's, it's all a lot of like 
going into a rabbit hole and, and you really have to kind of think about things that you might not be comfortable thinking about because it, it makes you feel weird about your reality and, and what you kind of feel like safe and comfortable with. But it's certainly a great topic to talk about over like a few martinis and then you can really just get into it. If, that, if that's your way of thinking, if you're going down that rabbit hole, it would make sense that we don't have the definitive proof yet, because how would we have equipment that could pick up something that we don't even know about yet? You know, like some, how would you, none of our equipment is described, you know, is capable of capturing what we're discussing here. You know, like there's nothing that a, a video camera is going to capture. Well, that. We talk about too, and, and this is something I'm, I'm pretty like leaning towards is that we have the physical realm, but what if the spiritual realm is like the antithesis to the, the physical realm? So your physical things wouldn't be able to pick it up. But a lot of times when we experience a haunting, there are physical things that are manipulated in order for them to come through. So one of the things that happens is your temperature will drop. Well, heat is one of the most elemental forms of energy. So if they're looking for a way to manifest themselves in a physical way, they would use heat to do that. So the temperature will drop, you'll get a huge cold spot. And we're not talking like five degrees, we're talking like 20, 25 degrees without yeah. any air conditioning. So it, it's, it's real, there's something there. And a lot of it in our own kind of uh, scientific measure is there, you know something's happening, but you just might not ever be able to, to completely prove it or explain it. Hillary, this was awesome and I can't thank you enough for, yeah, thank you so much here. for for having us and for yeah. listening to us jabber on about are you kidding <laughs> it's stuff. it's been awesome you have completely my mind is a little bit awesome if you ever want to talk yeah. about it oh we, i i actually want to scratching the surface of of what we believe so yeah i would like can... to get into that and i i do also <laughs> i know you got a jet but i would love to be able to Maybe I'll send you a couple messages like oh, I experienced this because I, I do have some things I'd, I'd like to ask you about. Yeah, absolutely. In my past. <laughs> well, thank you so much, guys. Yeah, and thanks, I'll Hillary. see you later. I got to go get a kid. So no problem. Bye, everyone. Bye. What do you think these spirits are? And I know that's a very broad question. With It is a really broad question um, because I think that it, I think different types of spirits are different things. And oh, I wish Hillary. Hillary this has such good, we've talked about this at length, ad nauseum over pumpkin martinis before. Um, I have to try that. Um, so I think that a residual spirit, meaning, um, like, so I have a sneaking suspicion that the full body apparition I saw was residual because it did not care that we were there. Now, it didn't have a head to look at us with, but maybe that's why it didn't have a head because it was just a body going through the motions of somewhere it's walked many mm. times. You know, like in your, in, I think it's your hippocampus. You could drive to work and totally not remember driving to work because at some point your brain just knows where you're going and you kind of make the turns. And hopefully you're paying attention to driving. But when you're doing something you've done a million times, you might not necessarily remember doing it. You just, that muscle memory. Okay. I think that some intelligent spirits um, are a very strong emotion. I think, I think really strong emotion is more impactful than people understand. Um, when we were investigating at the Selma Mansion one time in Norristown, um, not too far from here, I was investigating with my friends in a very small group and I got into that room and as soon as I hit record on my video camera, I wanted to scream at everyone in that room. That is not my nature. These were my friends. I wasn't 
but like every time someone coughed, made the floor squeak, I was like rage. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, what? Like I was in there too. And I was going like, what is going on? I'm sweaty. And like, I was fine. We left that room. I was fine. And so I don't know if I was just, I, you know, and we talk about this, we've written um, for both volumes of the feminine macabre. And I touched on that a little bit in the first one, but um, I really think that strong emotion or just a really, you know, maybe emotion between two people. I just think that those really, those really intense relationships and intense emotions leave their mark throughout time. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, you know, cause then there's other types of spirits that mediums can call to and they can respond. It's, it's so complicated. And I, again, I think that's why we probably don't have definitive proof because I think there's lots of different kinds. Sure. I understand. Yeah. Well, um, Mallory, I can't thank you enough. Before we go, can you tell me a quickly about the feminine macabre? Oh, heck yeah. Um, so the feminine macabre is um, an all female and non-binary journal um, curated by Amanda Woomer of Spooky, who I love, who's become a really good friend of ours. Um, and she just opened writing submissions. She has a bunch of published books. That's actually how I met her as I started reading one of her paranormal books. She's based out of Buffalo and she um, believes really strongly in women's rights and equality and um, just giving a voice to, uh, you know, a really marginalized group in the panel, which is women. I think that is changing, but um, she just opened writing submissions and if she liked what you wrote, um, you know, she put 30 women in volume one. Hillary and I wrote together for volume one. Volume two was just released two weeks ago and Hillary and I each have a piece in there. Hillary wrote a little about um, her mother's um, teachings on tarot, which is a little bit different than the average um, tarot reading style. It's very important to her. Um, and I wrote a little bit about investigating as a mother. And there is round three is coming up. And I think that is going to be published in the spring. And you can submit women and non-binary can submit submissions in October. Thanks again. I'm sorry, Hillary had to leave. Um, yeah, I understand we're all parents and we, we yeah. have to do what we have to do. Family first, always family first. So <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. Uh, thanks again, Mallory. If people want to learn more about you, about Hillary, about what you do in Blackbeak Paranormal, where can they find information? Best spot is Instagram, um, Blackbeak Paranormal. And we're on Facebook, but we're not too much. Instagram's our main thing. TikTok, we're terrible at. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. It's but, um, if you want to see Instagram, people dancing with martinis before they go investigating, that's where oh you go, Oh, my right? gosh. <laughs> oh, you saw that video. I know the video. Um, so on Instagram, we put we do a lot of live uh, sessions on like a random weekday morning. Um, those are on our real tab and our IGTV tab. We do a lot of that stuff. Awesome. I love it. That's fantastic. I we don't do a whole lot of Facebook either. There is a page for us as well, but it's 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 mostly yeah. Instagram, which is kind of the wave of the future. Yeah, uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks again for being here, Mallory. And yeah. please give my best to Hillary. I really appreciate it. And don't forget, everybody, to check out something cryptid. This way comes the stories. These are the interviews, but the stories. The whole point of them is if you've had an experience or you've not had an experience and you want to feel what it feels like to be there, either from the Yukon or to where I live in uh, Washington State, which is kind of the cryptid Sasquatch Bigfoot headquarters of the world. Um, this is a great place to go and listen if you love stories and sound effects and, and, and those kinds of things. Don't forget to follow Pacific Northwest Sasquatch Shadows on Instagram or Facebook. Our, our page is Old Mountain Media. That's old with an E 
because it's old English, old mountain media. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe as well. Leave a comment, leave a thumbs up. That would be great. And uh, we'll get these stories out there and look for more amazing things coming your way. Thanks again. Oh, I do have to say this real quick, uh, Mallory. So our next podcast is going to be called Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest. Basically, it's based on everything that your history teacher forgot to tell you. Um, and our first series, a five-part series, is The Ghosts of Leavenworth, which is this incredible mountain town. So I may be contacting you or replaying this episode at the end of that as well, um, because that old mining town and logging town is based on some very interesting things. And, and people go there now. It's very much like being in Austria. It feels like Austria. They do Sound of Music and Outdoor Theater every year because you feel like you're, the hills are definitely alive with music there. Uh, so I, I'm going to check that out um, or I, I, and go over there and check it out, not as a tourist, but as now that I've spoken with you, I'm very tempted to get my own spirit box. I'm yeah. less, but I'm a little scared too. I got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little You'll freaked out. You'll be fine. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. And then you get a message from me. You were wrong. No, I'm just kidding. What did um, you do? <laughs> right. Hey, You're thanks fine. again, Mallory. It was such a pleasure. Um, and and I really hope that we can uh, talk again in the future. Us too. Thanks a lot. Encrypted This Way Comes is a production of Old Mountain Media. Visit us on Instagram at PNW Sasquatch Shadows and Facebook at Old Mountain Media. Something cryptid. This way comes. comes. comes.